How do you fight an enemy you can't see? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. The devil is a foe too strong and too cunning for us to handle alone. His forces won't be defeated by our Christian seminars. They live in the invisible realm and use invisible weapons. This battle must be fought in prayer. That's another reason, in addition to those Jim shared yesterday, that the people of God should pray hard. We've set up base camp at Colossians 4, but we're exploring other scriptures too. God invites us to take an hour of his time anytime you want to and talk to him. And he promises that he'll not only listen to you, but he will respond to your conversation as you speak. That God himself will do things inside of you and things outside of you as he processes the concerns of your heart. God then goes on to say that he will respond. That he won't leave you hanging out there on a limb. But he will respond, not only what he does in you and around you, but God will work very deliberately and very directly with the things that you ask. He will take those things upon his heart. Isn't it, isn't it Peter? I think it's 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter says, casting all your care upon him. And the King James says, for he careth for you. That's a very anemic translation. What the, what the most literal rendering of that phrase would be, something like this. Casting all your care upon God, because God has made you the object of his very special concern. Wow. So, brothers, sisters, Continue earnestly in prayer. The most effective time of your 24-7 is the time you spend in prayer. I hate cleaning my shower stall. I just flat out plain hate it. Just hate it. So I have taken a different route. I discovered some time ago uh, a cleaner called Clean Shower or Shower Clean. And when I'm finished my shower, all I have to do is pick that up and just put a mist on the shower walls. And that stuff will eat all those little bad boogers and destroy all that stuff. And somehow or another, and I don't know how it works, but somehow or another, my shower stall stays clean. That is my dependence upon something other than my elbow grease to keep my shower stall clean. And Paul is trying to tell us and the Colossian Christians that if, if in the shower of your life, in the things you are already doing, if you'll take those moments to pray, to lift those concerns to God, you won't have to work nearly as hard down the road. And the circumstances around you will be cleaner. And the way that you walk will be smoother. And the inner spirit that you experience will be more peaceful, more confident because of prayer.
because of prayer. I like Paul Harvey. <laughs> and every now and then he comes through with a real gem. If I were the devil, by Paul Harvey, maybe you heard him do this. Let me excerpt from his marvelous little speech a couple of appropriate phrases. If I were the devil, I would gain control of the most powerful nation in the world. I would delude the minds of its citizens into thinking that the blessings had come from man's effort instead of God's blessings. I would convince people that character is not an issue when it comes to leadership. I would make it legal to kill unborn babies. I would cheapen human life as much as possible so that the life of animals are valued more than the lives of human beings. I would remove God out of the schools where even the mention of his name would become grounds for a lawsuit. Oh, I would make divorce acceptable and easy, even fashionable, because if the family crumbles, so does the nation. I would compel people and excite them to express their most depraved fantasies on canvas and movie screens and then call it art. I would convince the people that right and wrong are determined by a few who call themselves authorities and refer to their agenda as politically correct. I would persuade people that churches are relevant and out of date and the Bible is for the naive. I would dull the minds of Christians and make them believe that prayer is not important. That faithfulness and obedience are optional. Hmm. I guess if I were the devil, I would leave things pretty much the way they are. Good day. What do you think? See, Paul Harvey, in his very theme, has introduced one of the reasons that we haven't talked about yet why we ought to be prayerful. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 6 for just a moment. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul, in this companion letter, because remember, both the letter of Ephesians and the letter to the Colossians were both sent by the same messenger on the same trip. These letters are companion letters written at the same time by the Apostle Paul over there in Rome. And when Paul was finishing up his letter to the Ephesians, he says in chapter 6, verse Verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What's a wile? What's that word mean? Subtleties, deception. Very good. That you may be able to stand against the deceptiveness, the subtleties. The stratagems, the Greek says, the stratagems, the clever agendas and activities, deceitful activities of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the deceptiveness of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, folks... If those are our adversaries and you can't see them, how are you going to overcome them? And note that again. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle against principalities, 
powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now that's the contest. Those are our legitimate enemies. That's what we're up against. Against the wiles or stratagems, the deceitful policies and manipulations of our adversary, the devil. That's what Paul Harvey was trying to say. He was trying to very cleverly hook us into understanding that the devil didn't die. He didn't quit. He's not finished. He's very much active in our world today. You can't outmuscle the devil. You can't outthink the devil. You can't outrun the devil. You can't outwork the devil. He's got you at all of those junctions. Remember what, uh, wasn't it Jude? Jude says that Michael the archangel, when wrestling with the devil, disputing about the body of Moses, didn't bring railing accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. You remember what Jude goes on to say then? No, you don't. <laughs> what Jude is pointing out in that quotation is that even Michael the angel deferred to, deferred to the incredible intelligence, wiles, power, strategy, success of Satan. Even Michael the archangel, who is a spirit being, angels are ministering spirits, when confronted directly with Satan, didn't engage him in an arm wrestling match. He said, oh, no, the Lord rebuke you. Now, what's that? That's a form of prayer. That's a sign of dependence upon God the Creator. That's taking the game to a higher level and saying, Satan, you're going to have to answer to the Creator on that one. I'm not even going to try to match wits with you. Though I am Michael the archangel, I recognize I'm not on equal footing. So I'm going to defer this whole issue to a higher power, my boss. You talk to him about that. See that? Prayer is a deferring to God in issues that pertain spiritual warfare. Remember how Daniel, in his experience, was praying and how the angel came and said, hey, Daniel, your prayers were heard in heaven. Remember that? And how there were angelic, angelic contests involved in the heavenlies in direct response to God hearing and answering Daniel's prayer. Daniel didn't know that. He didn't even understand it when it was explained to him. Now, Christian friend, when we are seeking to reach an unsaved person with the gospel, we are seeking to encroach upon enemy territory. We are seeking to engage a mind, a spirit that is saturated 
by the spirit of Satan himself. We're dealing with cosmic, supernatural power struggles. And we're going to do that without praying? We're going to do that out of our own wits? We're going to design some kind of seminar that's going to produce some kind of of scheme by which we're going to sneak in there and grab somebody from Satan's fold without Satan even knowing. Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. Ain't going to happen. So what Paul's telling the Ephesians over here is that uh, recognize what you're up against. Recognize what the Christian is up against and recognize the provisions that God has given. And, and you take the whole armor of God and Verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And he goes on to describe the various gifts God gives to us, likening them to armor. And now notice verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. See that? Why? Because, because you're up against enormous spiritual forces. Now, I've not been to see them, so I, I, I can't comment other than I know that Lord of the Rings involves a lot of supernatural stuff. There's a lot of spiritual stuff that's in that movie. And I know it's a very popular movie, and probably I'm the only one in the room that hasn't seen it. I don't know. But the purpose for writing that trilogy the reason the author wrote that book is not just to tell a pretty story, a very engaging story. But he was trying to say to humanoids, you are over your head. There are forces at work in our world that are beyond your control. That's what he's trying to say. Now, why do we continue earnestly in prayer? for these reasons. Because there's, a, there's an enemy out there and a host and a group of spirit beings out there that are arrayed against us. And we are not sufficient in and of ourselves to take them on. And if you put on the helmet of salvation, if you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you, you put on the, the girdle of truth and you take the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, and you don't pray, you're dead meat. I'm dead meat. The thing that puts all of that gear into operation, the thing that makes that, that armor effective, is the spiritual heart of the praying warrior. So we're to pray. Now back in Colossians, the Apostle Paul had already cited some reasons why the Christians needed to be prayerful and watchful. You'll notice in chapter 4, verse 2, continuing earnestly in prayer, being vigilant, being watchful in it. Vigilant, watchful. Well, why should we be watchful? Why should we be vigilant? Well, look, look with me over at chapter 2. And if you mark in your Bibles, here, here's, here's one you may want to mark. There are four times here that the Apostle Paul cites things 
that you and I as Christians need to be alert about. There are enemies out there, not just unseen enemies, but real enemies afoot. We live in a hostile environment. Look, look with me. Look at verse 4, Colossians 2 and verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Have you heard persuasive words today? <laughs> I assure you have. The whole basis of advertisement is persuasive words. Words that are used, words that are spun in such a way as to entice you and me to a certain activity or to a certain product. That's what a persuasive word is. The world is full of persuasive words. Now, if we are not praying, then the filter in our mind, the grid in our mind that filters out what's persuasive and what is true is going to malfunction. And you're not going to recognize persuasive words that are intended to take you away from the truth. And, and that's what Paul's talking about here. Look at verse 8, the second one. He says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What's that? Well, there are people out there who want to cheat you. And you need to be alert. You and I need to recognize the cheaters and understand that their use of philosophy and empty deceit. What's empty deceit? The advertisement comes to my mind, promise her anything, but give her Chanel number, Chanel number what? Five, Five is it? I couldn't remember the punchline, but the point is, promise her anything. What's that? That's empty deceit. That's what that is. There's no intent to make a promise to that woman that you're going to follow through. You just tell her, tell her anything. You know, she believes it. She's gullible. So just tell her anything and she'll believe it. That's empty deceit. Now, I'll tell you, there's a lot of that out there. A lot of that in religious programming. There's a lot of that on the bookshelves of Christian bookstores, folks. A lot of empty deceit. It's empty. It has no content. It's devoid of reality. And it's deceitful. It's, it's, like, it's like cotton candy. Well, in a way, at least cotton candy leaves a taste in your mouth. But there's no substance. There's a new word used by dietitians. They call it empty calories. <laughs> I don't know why that list contains most of the things I prefer. But they say that if you eat this stuff, you know, the, you don't get the energy from it. You don't get the benefit from it. They're devoid of the kinds of nutrients that would make you strong and healthy. They still count as calories, but they are. At lunch today with my wife, they served me a little bag of, of potato chips. And these are thick potato chips. And they are 
crispy and they have optimum taste. And I turned it over and looked at the back. You know, you know, you know how much percent of my daily intake of what is it, carbohydrates or fat that I would get from eating that tiny little handful? 12%. 12% of my fat, if I'm on a 2,000 calorie a day thing, 12%. Now, I flipped that over and I said, that can't mean what it says. Ooh, probably does. Well, then does it mean what I think it means? And I handed her tricene and she said, well, yeah, that means that, you know, if you eat this little bag of, of potato chips, that's 12% of all of that particular stuff. I think it was fat that you're supposed to have all day. And I thought, no way, just no way. So I gave it to her, told her to take a moment. I eat it tonight when I get home. <laughs> Won't count then, right? Won't count because my because my three my three meals are over, so I can eat it then. And now, here my point is that that's bad diet. That's bad stuff. That's bad stuff. Tastes good, looks good, smells good, but it's not healthy. Well, that that's what empty deceit and philosophy is. Philosophy is the love of sophistry. It's loving. Wisdom, it's not wisdom, it's loving thought, it's loving logic. And it, it is very dangerous, extremely dangerous, because depending upon your first assumptions, you can end up proving anything to be true. And it can sound very good. So, so there are philosophies and there's empty deceit out there that people will use deliberately seeking to cheat you and me. Cheat us from what? Well, let me see. If you get down here to verse 16, it says, Let no man judge you in food or in drink. Whoops, I just did that, didn't I? No, I really didn't. What he's talking about here, well, let's read the rest of the verse. Let no man judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. He's saying... We need to be alert because there are people all around us who have a wrong understanding of the value of Sabbaths, festivals, food, and drink, and new moons. Those are all religious celebrations. We are, in the eyes of the devil, coming into his house and stealing souls that are his. Jesus said, how can you enter a strong man's house and just take what the man owns? You must first tie him up, then you can rob his house. The immediate application was the Lord's casting out of demons, but there could be a strategy there for us as well. Jim's sermon is called, The People of God Should Pray Hard. We burn each talk to CD, and we ask for a donation of $7 or more for a disc. This message is part of our Colossians series called The People of God, and we're offering all 17 sermons on CD for an offering of $59 or more. It's a small but mighty band of believers that pays the bills here at Right Start. We'd like it to be a little less small and a little more mighty. Would you give that some thought, please? Without the prayers and gifts of our friends, we simply wouldn't be here. So thanks to all of them. If you'd like to get involved, write to us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437 Worthington, Ohio, 43085 USA, or call us at 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. 
and visit our website, rightstartradio.org. You can play radio programs from the site and get new releases automatically with the Right Start podcast. We'll give you the iTunes link. If you want to enjoy Jim's sermons without interruption, you can play or download the audio files. You can donate too, and we will not spam you if you do. Rightstartradio.org. Rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. We're supposed to be watching and praying, so how are we doing with that? A pretty shocking survey and more on Friday's Right Start. Thank you.